Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. What a powerful name that is. You know, when we were singing that, I remembered mercy, M-E-R-C-Y, grace, G-R-A-C-E, Jesus, J-E-S-U-S. They're all five. They're all synonymous, right? <laughs> mercy and grace flow from Jesus. That's the essence of Jesus. Loves, L-O-V-E-S. He loves Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. So as we're gathering uh, our seats together, dear Cheryl, and uh, <laughs> hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. For what you want to do today, for what you have in store. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. The Lord calling. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. So, can we get the ushers to um, get ready to take up the tithe and the offering? And you know, when we give, we give freely to the work of the Lord for the kingdom work. And uh, in the natural, there's an expectation. When we're out in the world and we, you know, put some coins in the money box for a bus, I don't even know what a bus costs anymore, but, or we purchase some goods or a service, we, we give money. And there's an expectation that we're going to get something in return for that. And uh, it's not, it's not uh, unexpected if we pick up a loaf of bread at the grocery store and we go to the till and uh, she says $5 for a loaf of bread. I remember when it was 19 cents. That's kind of aging me. But uh, yeah, I remember. Who remembers bread when it was 19 cents a loaf? Put your hands up. Oh, there's one guy. <laughs> milk, quart of milk was 19 cents. If the milkman delivered it, it was 25 cents. But anyways, uh, there's an expectation. So I, I give the cashier uh, $5, and the loaf of bread is whatever, $4 and change, and she gives me change, and I expect a change, and I expect that I can be able to walk out of the store with that loaf of bread because I've purchased it, and it's something in return. Well, the same is true in giving to the Lord's work. There should be an expectation in our heart. It's not just, oh, here's the money, here's what I do, it's a routine thing. There should be an expectation in our heart that God is going to take that money for His kingdom and something is going to happen. Those monies are going to be used to further the kingdom, that a harvest will come in. And that's a good expectation. It's a proper expectation. We give trusting God that he's going to do whatever he has to do with it for kingdom goodness. And can we have that in our heart when we give? We're going to say this prayer, as we've said many times before. But, you know, maybe say it with an expectation, especially, especially when you come to the part where it says, 
this and that, to see this and to see that. Have an expectation in your heart. Call on the Lord. See if he's not true and trustworthy. And see if he will not bring to pass what he wants to bring to pass for God's kingdom. Amen? Okay. So uh, how about, uh, would you like to say, can, we're going to pray? Are you shy, Frank? As we receive today's offering, we are believing you for heaven opened, earth invaded, sore houses unlocked, and miracles created, dreams and visions, angelic visitations, declaration, impartation, and divine manifestations, anointings, giftings, and calls, positions and promotions, provisions and resources, to go to the nations, souls and more souls from every generation saved and set free carrying kingdom revival shower favor blessing and increase upon me so I have more than enough to co-labor with heaven to see Jesus get his full reward hallelujah Amen. and his full reward is a harvest and his full reward is praises of people singing unto him lifting up his name glorifying him declaring who that he is god that who he is is the king of king and lord of lords amen okay uh just going to have a couple of announcements i'm going to do a little quick mini sermon and uh and then we're going to have we're going to go in some people looking at the mini sermon yeah look it's only one page it is usually I have about five pages There's only one page here so uh could I have, um, where's Sandy? There you are. Could you come up and talk about day of prayer? On Friday the 3rd of March, this coming Friday, we have the opportunity to join with all the other churches in the area for World Day of Prayer service. And it's going to be Friday the 3rd at 7 o'clock in the Alliance Church. And I've gone to the organizing meeting, and actually, uh, everyone in the community, all the churches were represented. So that was really great. And this year, they are honoring the women of the Philippines. The World Day of Prayer service is always written by women. And in the country of the Philippines, I'll just read you a little bit about them. The Philippine population is one of the fastest growing in Asia, reaching more than 100 million in 2014. And it's very young, lots of young people. There are between 120 and 170 languages spoken in that country. But... Um, the government has promoted the use of the national language Filipino based on Tagalog. Is that how you say that? 
Anyway, English is considered an official language for purposes of communication and instruction. And despite having two women presidents and a constitution that provides for equal rights, Filipino women are discriminated against in society, in their churches, and all through the country. Many Filipino women leave their homes to um, have a job in another country, and then they su send support home. I think we're constantly meeting uh, young Filipino women who are doing this. And this is a service to, the question the service asked is, is it fair? Are we being fair to these women who are giving their lives for their families by working in another country? Join us on Friday night. It's 7 o'clock at the Alliance. And bring some finger food if you like. There will be a time of fellowship after. Thank you. Finger food, pizza, pork chops chicken wings. You know, uh, I just want to affirm that and say I can't recall one instance to the contrary, but every time I've met a Filipino lady, young lady, uh, they've always been so courteous. They have such a sweet spirit. They're so efficient uh, in what they do, and I really appreciate them. And so that hits home, Sandy, when you say, are we being fair to them? We should be like that to everyone, but especially to bless them at this particular time. So please uh, join Sandy and all the other. It's, it's just open to women, right, at the Alliance? or No, it's open to everybody, men and women. I didn't know that women were the ones that always wrote the prayer. That's news to me. I didn't realize that. So praise the Lord. So it's open to everybody. So uh, make a point of going there. And if you don't have finger food, go anyways. You'll be blessed. Don't worry, there's always, this is a church function, right? There's always lots of food. There's more than enough. Susan, are you here? Ah, Susan's going to talk to us about a plan she has. Good morning. Um, okay. Um, this is based on the fact that we're family and um, that when the um, Williams were here, they emphasized family. So um, on that note, I was asking God about what we could do, you know, to make them feel welcome when they come here. Um, sometimes I like to have ideas like that. So anyway, I um, came upon this, um, idea, I guess that's the only way I'm putting it, and I really felt like that the Lord was um, in it, and um, as a matter of fact, I'd like to just read, I ask, I, I follow in the footsteps of some of the people um, who sort of seek the Lord in certain ways, and sometimes they ask for a verse, so I said, Lord, is there a verse? I'm just trying to find it here. Okay, so um, I thought it would be, you know, verses like, you know, the Lord loves a cheerful giver and whatever, but basically the verse that came to me was um, out of Matthew 19, 
and it's verse 29, and it says, And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or farms for my name's sake will receive many times as much and will inherit eternal life. So, um, so the, to that note, like I um, started thinking about how we could bless them, and um, I've come up with this idea, and I've passed it by council, and they think it's a great idea, and, I, and so it's very low tech. <laughs> I've, I worked on a little bit. It's very low tech. I would like for us as a church family to um, bless them by helping them to be able to move into their home with uh, a house stocked with some groceries, basically. Staples. Uh, at this point, it's probably more dry goods because we don't, you know, have all the details worked out. So what I'm going to do at... Um, not during the service, but like after the service, if you want to come over, I'm going to set up the table with some tags like this. And I've listed, you know, some basic staples. It's not a, a full list. It's just a, you know, a partial list at this point. And welcome any ideas. It's totally non-mandatory. It's if you want to give. Um, so you can go there and you can have a little look and see uh, various items. There's a number right here, and that's just to correspond with um, putting it in this, so you'd print your name in this book. So if I took this tag here, it's actually number 53, and it's it says Kraft Peanut Butter, a two-kilogram jar, and I put a price. Um, my prices are pretty much based on no-name brands, so to give you an idea, so you can enter in at whatever level you want if you want to just take one tag or if you want to take more than one. And then you would go in the book and find 53 and just print your name. And so what would end up happening is it's just, it's just to be able to keep track of what's coming in. And um, I have a little list at home. Like, I'm not going to tally up who gave what because, you know what I mean, I just want it to be uh, something that uh, is between you and the Lord. And like I said, you're, you're welcome to enter into this, but it would be something that we would do as a family. And so um, if you have any questions or any information, you can ask me later. <laughs> and hopefully by the time they move, they will just be able to move in and um, not have to go out and do a big shop. It'll sort of be done for them by their family. Amen. And, and Susan's going to take this on. She's going to coordinate this. And so uh, it's a great blessing. Uh, I really appreciate it. Council really appreciated it when she suggested it to us. And we f fully embraced it and uh, affirmed her in this and said, yes, go for it. What a wonderful thing when you're moving into a, into a new place, a new home, where, you know, there's a, a, a kitchen cupboard full of food and stuff, whatnot, or boxes of food so that you've got something. And they've got four kids and... and uh, is there candy on there or chocolate bars? Oh, there is. Okay, good. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Uh, time's going on. So I, I want to bring a short message here. I, wanted to, I want to uh, have some time to pray for healing, but I want to just bring something to you before that, just to sort of set the stage. And so, Father, I, I ask for your blessing upon this word, Lord, and your anointing. For if these words 
are not anointed or blessed by you, Lord. They would just be empty words, so to speak. But, Father, we know that you can take uh, the word that is spoken of man, even your word, Lord, and you can bring forth fruit and a harvest, that you can plant seed in our lives. And so, Father, I pray that you would anoint me to bring forth that which you would have the people hear, and so that we can imbibe in that and we can embrace it, we can grab a hold of it, Lord, we can take ownership of it, O God, and we can see the truth in what your word is saying to us. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to talk to you about a, a really quickly about a story that you're all familiar with, but I want to put a different spin on it a little bit. And what this is about is about uh, when Israel crossed the Red Sea. And every, you're all familiar with this story. And uh, I'm going to use a couple of quick uh, verses here. In Exodus chapter 14, to set the stage, of verse 9. The Egyptians pursued them, all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh and his horsemen and his army, and, he, and overtook them and camped at the Red Sea. When Pharaoh drew near, the Israelites looked up, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them. And the Israelites were exceedingly frightened and cried out to the Lord. And verse 11. And they said to Moses, Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you treated us this way and brought us out of Egypt? Verse 12. Did we not tell you in Egypt, Let us alone, let us serve the Egyptians, for it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. Moses told the people, Fear not, stand firm, confident, and undismayed, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians you have seen today, you shall never see again. Verse 14, The Lord will fight for you, and you shall hold your peace and remain at rest. The Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. Lift up your rod, stretch out your hand over the sea, and divide it. And the Israelites shall go on dry land through the midst of the sea. So it's an interesting story here where the Egyptians, it's a type. Where the Egyptians is a type of the enemy. And they're pursuing the people of God. And they're pressuring them. And, uh, you know, first of all, if you go back a little ways, you remember what happened where the plagues came across the Egyptian uh, kingdom. And finally, Pharaoh relented. He says, go, get out of here. Leave the land. Because Moses said, let my people go. And so finally, he lets them go, and they actually took wealth with them. And then after a while, Pharaoh, as prompted by the people, took stock and said, what have we done? We've let our slaves go. These are the people that are washing our clothes, preparing our food, doing the, the toil labor in the fields and all these things. What were we thinking? And so now the enemy says, yeah, what were you thinking? Go after these guys and kill them. Kill them all. Take them into captivity or kill them all. So Pharaoh sets out. And if you read in there, he talks about he used 600 of his chosen chariots. These would be the Abrams M1 tank, state-of-the-art, that part of his army. But it says in there that he also used all the chariots. And so he's going to go after the Egyptians. And uh, if you look in verse 14, or in chapter 14, well, the people are fleeing, and uh, all of a sudden... 
they get distracted. Isn't that like the enemy? What are they doing? They're going this way, and they hear the rumbling of the hooves and the chariots and whatnot, and they turn around, and oh, my God, look at the Egyptians. It says they were terribly dismayed. And so now they started to focus on circumstances. They started to focus on the enemy. They started to focus on distractions. God had a plan for them, but the enemy came to distract them. And so when they see this, they're sorely afraid. And they're saying to Moses, what have you done? They were happy. I mean, think about the scenario here. They saw what happened in Egypt, what God did to set them free, to bring them out of that captivity. And now they turn around, and they're looking at the Egyptians. And they say to Moses, did you bring us out here to die in the desert? There's plenty of graveyards in Egypt. Why didn't you leave us there where the leeks and the garlics were nice and tasty? You see a reversal here where the enemy who can bring pressure can cause you to maybe start thinking otherwise than what you're focused on or supposed to be focused on. Keep your eyes on Jesus. And so, what does Moses do? He says to them, and I thought this was kind of interesting, he says, he told the people, fear not, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians you have seen today, you shall never see again. How does he know that? When I read that verse, I thought, how did you know that? Because I don't recall anything specific. How did you know that, Moses? Did God speak to you? So I flip back here, and if you look at verse 4 in that same chapter, it says, I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them. He's talking to Moses here. And I will gain honor and glory over Pharaoh and all his host." And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. And they did so. So Moses had an inner understanding. God says, I will glorify myself through the enemy. I will honor myself and glorify myself through this enemy. So Moses had this understanding and said, Look, don't worry about it. You'll never see these guys again. But this interesting here, what he goes on to say, he says here, the Lord will fight for you and you shall hold your peace and remain at rest. And in verse 15 it says, the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. Lift up your rod, stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. And the Israelites will go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. So you see, why did God go through that? Why didn't God just say, not a problem? There it is, the Red Sea's parted. He engaged Moses. You understand? He doesn't want you to be involved in a spectator sport. He wants you to be involved. And God said, why are you crying to me? Haven't I given you authority? Do you know your identity in me? If you, do what I, if you do that, I will honor it. Know your identity in me. Know who you are in Christ Jesus. And speak that or do that, and it will happen. So Moses did that. 
And what happened? The waters parted. And if you remember, God makes provision in every circumstance because, you see, the Egyptians thought, aha, we have them. Because if you look at the topographical area where the uh, nation of Israel was, they were trapped. There was no way out except across the sea. And Pharaoh thought, this is going to be a slaughter. We're going to go in there. We're going to wipe them all out. It's going to be a no, no challenge at all. Because he was looking to the natural. And God's people were looking to the supernatural. A God who's created everything is more than able to set his people free and deliver them. And so God made provision. Now that particular area of the Red Sea, if you do any research, in some areas, the Red Sea is over 7,000 feet deep. I don't know if you realize that. But if you look at historically the area where they believe they have crossed, there's, I'm not going to go into that, but there's a lot of research you go into it. They figure that area where they crossed was about 100 to 200 meters deep. So that would be about 300 to 600 feet deep. It was no pond. And you have to understand something. If you've got a basin or an ocean that's over 7,000 feet deep, the sides are going to be like this. And remember, the Israelites crossed in the night, correct? About 3 million of them. And just to go down that and to come up that probably wouldn't have been possible. So God parted the waters through Moses in an area that was, you know, maybe 300 to 600 feet deep. And that's where they crossed. And God told them exactly where to go, exactly what to do. And he employed Moses in that. Now, when the nation of Israel crossed over, how many have seen the picture where it looks like a paved road? It's flat and level, and the water's on either side. You know, it looks like 50 feet high or whatever. And they're walking through an area, you know, 20 feet wide. Well, when you're moving 3 million people, it ain't no 20 feet wide. There's guesstimates of up to a half a mile wide on either side. Because to move three, three million people over that expanse, and I think the, the distance across is about 30 miles, to bring them across that, you'd need that kind of an open space. To put that into some relation, if you're out here in uh, farming land here, a quarter section is a half a mile by a half a mile, right? So you'd need half a mile by a half a mile or or two quarter sections, or a half, half section, right? And that's the width of the expanse where the people crossed over, approximately three million. And what a miracle. Not only were the waters parted, but the land was dry. And why would that be? Because they would have animals. They would have carts. They would have all, that would all be stuck. If you ever seen when the tide goes out on the beach, what do you see? It's mucky. It's yucky. You ain't moving through that easy. But God allowed the wind to come through and blow that land dry so that they were able to cross uninhibited. Verse 15. I want to read this to you. Verse 26. Or excuse, excuse me. Uh, verse 22. It says, Then Moses led Israel onward from the Red Sea, and they went into the wilderness of Shur. They, were, they went three days, or about 33 miles in those days, about 11 miles a day, in the wilderness, and they found no water. When they came to Marah, uh, they could not drink its waters, for they were bitter. Before it was named Marah, it means bitterness. Therefore, it was named Marah, or bitterness. The people murmured against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? 
And he cried to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree which he cast into the waters, and the waters were made sweet. There the Lord made for them a statue and an ordinance, and there he proved them. Verse 26, saying, If you will diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight and will listen to and obey his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases upon you which I brought upon the Egyptians. For I am the Lord who heals you. And they came to Elam where there were 12 springs of water and 70 palm trees. And they encamped there by the water. So, we're in Egypt. We see the plagues. We see the hand of God moved. Freedom. We sang about that in a song today. God gives his people freedom. They're being pursued by the Egyptians. And it didn't happen right away because the distance from where they left to where they got to the Red Sea is about 250 miles. So that didn't happen overnight. But then all of a sudden they saw the Egyptians on the horizon. So God set them free in Egypt. Now they see the Egyptians, and they go through that whole murmuring again. Why do you just let, die, let us die in Egypt? God parts the uh, ocean for them, the Red Sea. They go across, so another tremendous miracle. Can you imagine walking, three million, being among three million people, going across and looking at water and going, oh, wow, a couple hundred feet high on either side, Right? And then they see the Egyptians coming again behind them. Oh, no. Remember, God put a stop block in there. He put the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire to keep the Egyptians from overrunning them. And then he closed the waters on them. He told Moses, do this. Again, he brought Moses in on the picture. And so now they're out of there. If you read in chapter 14, Marion and the ladies are all playing their timbrels and singing, how great is the Lord. He's delivered us. There's a song. He set us free and... Hallelujah, the people are rejoicing and whatnot. And three days later, they get to this well, or they get to this area and say, hey, there's no water. We're dying of thirst here. What are you doing? They're complaining. The water that's here is bitter. And so Moses turns around and says, Lord. And the Lord showed him a tree which he cast into the waters, and the waters were made sweet. There is no tree. There is no shrub in that area that when you put it in the water will turn bitter water sweet. At least everything I've investigated shows that there's no such thing. So why did God use a tree? So what does a tree symbolize? A tree basically, we've heard, symbolizes life, right? Perpetual life in a sense. Because a plant comes up and it dies away, but a tree gets bigger and bigger and bigger. The crown gets bigger. The root ball system gets bigger. It gets stronger. And it represents life to the people in, the, in, the, uh, in that part of the region of the world. And so they cut this tree. God gets him involved again. He says, well, cut the tree. Do you think God needed a tree? He could have just said, yeah, okay, water, be sweet. But he had them involved with it. So they cut the tree. They put the tree in there, and the water was sweet. And they were able to take, uh, drink some water. So, the tree also is a symbol of joy and happiness, as well as a symbol of life. And in that last sentence, it says, I am the Lord who heals you. He said that right after he brings them out of Egypt, out of captivity. That's your Lord today. 
He's still the same God. And I noticed the word said here, I am the Lord who healed you. No, it says, who heals you. That's a continuing action. It doesn't stop there. It didn't stop with the people there. I am the Lord who heals you. His name is Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals you. He healed them then. He's healing us today, his people. And so God said to them, I am the Lord who heals you. So we get to that last sentence there, and I thought it was interesting. It says, oh, even going back there when they were walking for three days, three days is a type of deliverance or redemption. There's a lot of typology. You can go on and on here when you look at this stuff. I like this stuff. And the last sentence says, when they came to Elam where there were 12 springs of water and 70 palm trees. Why would God say there was 12 springs of water and 70 palm trees? Why is that significant? There's nothing in the Word of God that is not significant. Everything has a purpose and a reason for it. And that's how God feeds us. When we read His Word, and then we read it again, and we read it again, and you know this, you can read passages over and say, I never saw that before. That's something new. It's always a continuing revelation to us of God's Word. And so I thought, why would you because I'm, I'm a bit of a numbers person. I said, why would you say 12 and 70, Lord? Because I know 12 and 70 mean something. So the, uh, the number 12 actually represents God's authority, churches and God's authority. And 70 represents human leadership and judgment. And I mentioned that to Carol last Sunday. So the 12, the 12 wells of water and the 70 palm trees represent anointed ministries that refresh and give you life. Water and dates to refresh and give you life. And I looked this place up, and it's an oasis. And it's about a mile in diameter. It's not a small oasis. It's a huge oasis. It's about a mile in diameter. And there's 12 springs of water there. You've got to remember, you've got 3 million people. So they're probably circled around this oasis. And there's 12 springs of water and 70 date palms. And, the, you know, the date palms give you food, sustenance. You can actually make honey from them. So they represent a church and, and uh, leadership authority, God's authority, I should say. And they re represent human leadership and judgment. Quickly turn with me to Matthew chapter 10. I want to show you something. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 1. And Jesus summoned to him, what? His 12 disciples. And he gave them power and authority over unclean spirits to drive them out and to cure all kinds of disease and all kinds of weakness and infirmity. Jump up to verse 7, the same chapter. And as you go, preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In verse 8, cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leopards, Drive out demons, freely without pay you have received, freely without charge, give. Do you see what God's saying? He said that to his disciples. Remember the 12 representing uh, churches and God's authority? The same is true today. If you go to uh, Luke, last scripture here, real quickly. Jump up to Luke chapter 10 and verse 1. 
And it says in verse 1, Now after this the Lord chose and appointed 70 others and sent them out ahead, ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to come visit. Jump down to verse 9. And heal the sick in it and say to them, The kingdom of God has come close to you. So, Jesus anointed the twelve and then the seventy disciples to preach God's word and to heal the sick. You see that? Did you follow me along on that? If you want health, listen to this, if you want health and healing, sit under anointed ministries that preach the good news and practice healing the sick. Because it's God's word, it's scriptural. His word is a medicine unto your flesh, Proverbs 4.22. So you, like the 12 and the 70, are to preach God's word and to heal the sick. You see, the Ark of the Covenant, and I think I may have preached this before, contained man's rebellion to God. There was the almond buds, uh, almond stick. There was the manna, and there was the commandments. Remember, they built a calf. Uh, the manna, they, they queried that. They complained about that. And so all of those instances was rebellion. It's sitting inside the Ark of the Covenant. And what's on top of the Ark of the Covenant? Anybody? The mercy seat. M-E-R-C-Y. Mercy seat. And guess what? When Jesus died on Calvary, that's your covering. That's the mercy seat for you. God has made provision for everyone here. If you call upon the name of Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, God has made provision for you, A, to be healed, delivered, set free, blessed. And he's also made provision, B, for you to do in turn. And so we need to grab a hold of that truth. Praying for the sick is not solely a ministerial function. You've been in churches. I've been in churches. We've done it here. If you've noticed over the last eight months, I think maybe one time I had an altar call. All the other times, I've asked people to stand where they are and to have the body of Christ minister to them. Why is that? Because it is in you. He is in you. He is in you. The power of God is in you. Your Father in heaven loves you. He wants to move through you. He wants to move amongst you through the body of Christ. When I talked to Pastor Stephen about this a few weeks ago about he said, yeah, he says, that's right. He says, why does everybody think the pastor has to pray for people to get healed? And you know what? I know that healing is in God's Word. I know there's a lot of stuff in God's Word. But sometimes the Lord moves through seasons. There may be a season of healing, a season of deliverance. doesn't mean that healing and deliverance isn't always there. It's always available, and God wants to always move in that. But I'm saying sometimes that God moves through seasons of what he's doing in a people in a particular area. And I believe truly 
that the season of healing and deliverance is for this body in this day, at this time, in new and profound ways. And I don't understand all of that. I don't understand what God's plan is. I know his plan is to heal his children, to set us free. But he has a plan, and you need to participate in that. Why are you asking me, Moses? Stretch out your hand and let the waters be parted. If you need healing today, he's able to do it. And he's able to do it through the body of Christ. Amen? Who needs healing? I need healing. Put up your hand if you need healing today. And when I talk about healing, it's not just physical healing. It can be emotional healing. It could be financial healing. It could be all kinds of areas. It can be deliverance. Who needs deliverance today? You don't have to put up your hand. I'll put up my hand. I need deliverance. We all need healing. We all need deliverance. Because just when you think you've been delivered of everything, you haven't. God shows those little things. I went through that. Well, yeah, I had some wonderful deliverances. He's not done. And there's so much more that God wants to do. And I said it before, and I said it again in the prayer room this morning. I said, the older I get in Christ, the more I realize how little I know. <laughs> because he reveals more of himself to us. And so we're going to stand on the truth of God's word right now for the next little bit. And we're going to pray healing. We're going to speak and declare healing in Jesus' name. And I'm not so wrapped up with all the... I know there's lots of teachings out there and procedures and there's lots of scriptures and stuff and things. But you know what? Our God's a pretty uncomplicated God. He can just do what He wants to do just like that. Amen? We've experienced Jim's ministry here. As others have experienced what other ministries you've been through. And we know that that's true. And so we need to grab a hold of that and say, I'm not going to be distracted by what the enemy wants to do to take away from what God wants to do in my life. I'm going to keep focused on Jesus. Never mind the thundering hoofs and the chariots there. Trust, trust God. Hooves, I guess I should have said hoofs. <laughs> and trust God and see if he won't set you free. Come with a heart of expectation. You have a right as the children of God. Did you hear me? You have a right. It's purchased for you on Calvary. It's done. You're not a sinner anymore. You've been forgiven. And now, grab a hold of what God wants to do in your life and bring that healing. So let's stand up, and we're going to pray. For those that need, actually, for those that need healing or want prayer for healing, you stand up. Right now, stand up. Don't be shy. I'm standing too, by the way. And you know, the more we do this, the better we're going to get. The more we're going to come to the place that God wants us to be. I'm fighting particular maladies, but I haven't given up on God. I'm not giving up on God. Yeah, maybe I've walked three days in the desert, and so have you. But I'm going to keep calling upon the name of Jesus for the healing that I need in my body, in my life. And you need to do that too. So look around those around you and uh, 
Go and lay hands on them or pray for them right now. We're just going to go over there. What's that, Ryan? Well, <laughs> go to those ones that need prayer right now. Hallelujah. Make sure that there's somebody standing around everybody who needs prayer. Come on, body of Christ. This is in you. You have the authority. God's given you that authority. He wants you to practice it. He wants you to move out in the authority. He wants you to receive the authority that he's given you to pray. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Has anybody got, not got somebody there to pray healing for them? Okay. Hallelujah. Thank you. We have Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And so you pray whatever the Lord puts on your heart. Talk to the person. Ask them what they need, what the hindrance is, and trust God and the Holy Spirit to move in that healing. Father, as the children of God call upon your name today, we look to you, Lord, and we realize that you are the author and the finish of our faith. And Lord, we know that as your children, you made provision for your children in the wilderness before your son even came to the cross. You made provision. You have always made provision for your children. You are more than able to meet every need, Lord. Father, for a God who can part the seas, who can stop the sun, who can raise the dead, you said, Lord, greater works would we do because you go to the Father. And you didn't mean that in quality, or, but you meant it in quantity because you knew that we would be given that authority. We have been given that authority to move out in that truth. And so, Father, right now, we call upon you. We proclaim healing in our bodies. For every malady and sickness and illness that there is, we command it to depart from us, and we ask and declare the healing power of God to move and to flow through us right now. Whatever the infirmity is, if it's being caused by demonic principalities, we ask you to set us free from that. We break the curse and the stronghold and the right of the enemy in the name of Jesus, and we proclaim the healing to flow now in Jesus' name. Father, we declare miracles, signs and wonders in your children. We proclaim that in your name. We speak it forth, Lord. You are a good God, healing Healing flow. Let the healing flow through your people. We glorify you, Lord. The pain, the part. The pain, you go. You go, pain. We are the children of God. We are under the covenant of God. We're under the anointing of God. We're under the banner of God, whose banner over us is love and healing. And we proclaim the truth of his word, and God honors his word, and it will not go forth and return void. And so we command healing to flow. We declare it to flow in the name of Jesus. We stretch forth our arms, as it were, as Moses did, and the waters parted. And so, Father, we stretch forth our arms in the spirit, and we declare the healing, and we proclaim it in our bodies. And, Lord, whatever other need there is, 
Father, you're the God of provision. You provide for everything. Whatever the need is, if it's financial or emotional, whatever it might be, Lord, you're the Lord of all. And you, dis and you love to bless your children. You love to give good gifts to your children. And so we speak that to you right now. We speak that forward in the name of Jesus. We declare abundance. We declare prosperity. We declare soundness of mind. We declare soundness of spirit, soundness of emotion. Hallelujah. We will not be distracted. We will not be tossed to and fro, but we'll receive from our Father in heaven who is steadfast and true, the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, in the name of Jesus. Father, for those that need a miracle in their life, in their body, Father, we speak it forth now. New joints, tendons, whatever is necessary. You're the ones that created these bodies, Lord. You see the need. You know the need. And you decide to fulfill that need because you're God of blessing, God of love. Hallelujah. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're moving through us in healing right now. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're providing all that we need. Thank you that the pain is going, Lord. The pain is departing. Depart pain. Depart pain. Restoration and healing flow. We proclaim it. We proclaim that restoration and flow, that healing. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. You're the one, Lord. We're exercising our authority that you've given us. And we thank you, Father. You're the Father of gifts, Father of lights. Hallelujah. Bless your holy name, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You're a miracle-working God, Lord. Miracle-working God. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. We are not dismayed, Lord. We are not dismayed. We are comforted by you. We are comforted in the truth of our God. Not the circumstances that we see with our eyes, but the truth of our God and his word and who he is. Lord of all. Lord of all. We don't look to the circumstances. We don't look to the bigness of our need, but we look to the greatness of our God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord. Welcome, Holy Spirit. Welcome, Holy Spirit. Welcome, Holy Spirit. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. 
Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. If you receive the healing that you know about right now, thank God. Trust God. Hang on to what God has given you and done in you. Thank you, Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I just want to bring encouragement to you. Hallelujah. We're going, to, uh, we're going to close the services, but if you're praying for somebody or if you still have a need, stay behind and someone will pray for you. And uh, I want to encourage you. We're going to have a guest speaker next weekend. Um, I haven't told council yet. Well, I told one member of council. <laughs> and uh, it'll be a surprise. It's nobody you've ever heard, I think, speak here before. So, and it's from within our church. So, that's all I'm telling you. <laughs> Amen? So, Father, I thank you that as prayers are going forth right now, Lord, that you are honoring those prayers. And, Lord, not only that, but that you are covering them. For the work that you have accomplished, O oh God, is a finished work. And that the enemy, in no way, shape, or form, is able to steal or rob that from them. We plead that covering over them now. We declare that covering in Jesus' name. That the healing or deliverance 
or whatever it is that you've done in the people today, oh God, is sealed. It's sealed by your blood. It's a finished work. It's done. We thank you, Father. Thank you for what you're doing and yet to do. Hallelujah. And some of you, you know, uh, you may be going home and you had some prayer and you don't feel that immediate release. Trust God. Just keep declaring, keep focused on him. Don't be distracted by the enemy. Don't be distracted and fall into a place of disarray. Trust the Lord. Trust the Lord. As the people cried out to Moses, you cry out to God. Trust the Lord. He is faithful and true. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Praise you, Lord. So we'll see you here next Sunday, but if you need some more prayer, come on up forward here, identify yourself, and some people will pray for you. Thank you, Lord.
Your faithfulness. 